Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. Hope you're all well and looking after yourselves. I'm Luke Edwards, and joining me as ever this week, I'm going to go in order as it is on the screen. It is Chris Pratt. Hiya, Chris. Hello, Luke. And uh, next to him, with a nice pair of headphones on, is Tom Wang. Hiya, Tom. Hello, Luke. Hi, everyone. Yeah, no Hampton Richmond background this week. No, we didn't have a game. So, So, um, you know, I've lost interest. (laughs) (laughs) And also joining us is Rob Horrell. Hiya, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. Hi, guys. Dickie's having a week off this week, so uh, hello, Dickie, if you're listening. Later on, we're going to review all the FA Cup ties and all the National League action, and we're also going to hear from Victoria's Charlie manager, Jamie Vermiglio. But now we've got a special guest on the show. It is recently signed all the Chop Town striker, Ricky Miller. Hiya, Ricky. Hello, mate. Uh, how are we? We're really good. Thank Cheers. You. Well, how are you? Good to hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right, mate. I'm a bit busy with my son. Obviously, it's his birthday weekend, but... Um, other than that, I'm uh, good to go, mate. Yeah, great stuff. I, t- I tell you what, this is how busy Ricky is, right? I wake up in the morning, I'm just kind of get- gathering my thoughts, getting together. You have a little <laughs> look on your phone, don't you? And Ricky's already done a 17k run, hasn't he? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, mate. You know what I mean? Oh, fantastic. Ricky, appreciate your time uh, coming on the podcast. Um, yeah. Uh, fair to say, your, your your career so far has been a bit of a, a roller coaster. Lots of incredible yeah. highs, one or two difficult lows, as well. Um, yeah. And something you're not secretive about you've 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 had your your issues and your battles with uh, mental health and with uh, ADHD. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. How how has um how has social media and 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 just sort of not being frightened to bottle up your issues yeah. helped. I, I think I think that I think you hit the nail on the head, not bottling it all up. Um, and with my career, it's been obviously a very, it's been a roller coaster career of incredible highs, incredible lows, and it's exactly how my life is. I sort of wear my heart on my sleeve, and how my career's gone, how my life's gone, um, and they coincide with each other. Funnily enough, um, but yeah, like um, I, I'm sort of just learnt to instead of bottling it all up and um, and and trying to deal with everything on my own. And then and then have and then exploding and and falling flat on my face and then having to pick myself up again. Um, I'm now like using social media as a platform to express how I'm feeling, so that I'm not on my own. And then letting people letting people know that they feel like that too. And it's like um, it, it, it's good awareness and, it, and and it's good for me to to know that I'm not on my own and and that um, other people do feel like this and it's normal and um, and not to be embarrassed by it and. Because like you try and hide it, you try to deal with it on your own, and ultimately it it always wins because it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier, and then you just can't you just can't um, you can't stay afloat no matter no matter how hard you try. So yeah, social media is a great platform for me to um, express how I'm feeling. Yeah, I suppose the big message as well, Ricky, is just talk. I mean. I'll be honest, this week's been tough for me personally, just with everything that's happening, lockdown. And yeah, you hear about yeah. the vaccine and you think, oh, everything's going to be okay. And you th- it's like yeah. a punch in the gut with the lockdown and everything. And football yeah. might be stopping. And a lot of people's mental health is affected by just going to football. Yeah. And, you know, it helps them. It's like a release for them. And I found chatting to a couple of different people this week has helped me. And I suppose that's a big thing, just talk to people, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, lockdown is... a. Uh... It sends you one of two ways, don't it? Like it, it, it shows it, it. There's not, there's nowhere to hide. You, you've got so much time on your hands. Um, like you know, if you're working and you're keeping busy, you don't have much time to sink. Um, but when you're sitting around all day, scratching like twiddling your thumbs, you, you've got nowhere to hide, and it really, really does. It does bring out all your insecurities. And, and luckily enough for me, the first, the first lockdown, I had a massive breakdown massively um because I, I i couldn't i couldn't um bottle i couldn't hide my feelings i couldn't i couldn't um keep myself busy enough to to mask over how i was feeling and and it and it did actually help me in the long run um it, it was very tough and there was a lot of tears and a lot of emotion and um a lot of work behind the scenes but um it sort of helped me identify everything what was going wrong in my life and helped me uh, help me get back on track and put put them things right um and and put up uh, mechanisms to not 
sort of sink to that place again. So lockdown for me has actually been brilliant, although it's very boring and it's uh, very mentally um, tiring as well. We hear so many negative things about social media now. So it's great yeah. to have someone speak clearly about what the benefits are in their life. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of negative people on social media though um, and every yeah. time that somebody displays some positivity and a desire to move forward in their life there's always someone that wants to try and pull them down yeah How, do you have sort of coping strategies for that because i think our listeners yeah. would, you know would benefit from hearing how you deal with that stuff. yeah a hundred percent like you're, you you completely social media can be used very negatively and, and it and it was because you get you get loads of people calling you out you get low if you're putting yourself out there you're going to get loads of opinions but I can't even tell you what's going on with this lockdown. All I know is that I'm going to keep safe. I'm going to respect everyone else's privacy. I'm going to, and I'm going to just use my common sense. Like, I, I don't watch the news. I, I've cancelled the news. I've, I've cancelled all the news and blocked and muted all the news on my social media. Anyone who wants to try and come in with negative ideas or try and bring, bring me down a little bit, I just mute them. Like, it's nothing personal. I just don't want to have to deal with that. So I can, I'm just going on with my life and, and concentrating on myself in a selfish way. But, but in, a, in that selfish way, it's making me happier to then give back to, to people who, who may need it most, like, my, like the people around me. So I, it, I, just, I just avoid all negative um, stuff and, I, and I, mute, I mute all negative stuff, what, what, what is harming my mental health. Um, and therefore, it just makes me a little bit happier myself. Uh, yeah, Ricky, um, I think it was around about a year or so ago um, that you first came across Danny Sell, didn't you? Tell us a little bit how yeah. that relationship's formed and uh, obviously um, combination you for shots. Cool, blimey. Well, well um, I think he secretly must hate me, honestly, that, that <laughs> I annoy him that much. That um, Honestly, he can't like me, but... Um, I think he must find me endearing or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, it, it basically happened. Like, obviously, in lockdown, I sorted myself out. Um, I got my running shoes on. I thought my career was over. Um, I honestly risked it off. Um, I thought it was, I was too old to come back. Um, but I think that was just like a defence mechanism of trying to cope with everything I was going through. That's brilliant. Um, I was going to ask you about that, Ricky. You know, with everything that's happening in your career and in your life, yeah. it's like, have you yeah. kind of put it in the box now and, and just kind of, you have reset almost? Well, yeah, you, I sort of, I, I'll tell you what happened. I, I just started running. Um, and obviously the first couple of runs, I, I, was, I was 90 kg when I, and, and like my playing weight was about 78, 80 kg. So I put on 10 kg in a year. Um, but then in lockdown, I thought, right, let me just, I can't sit around doing nothing. I've, I've made the decision. I've, prom- I've made a promise to my son. I've got to get myself better and mentally. It, even if it wasn't for, I didn't even think about football then. I, it was just doing it for myself. And then after about a week or two, I, I started doing hill sprints and I was powering up these hills. I thought, do you know what? I thought, I, I've got a bloody I've got a bit left I've, in the tank. I've, I've still got something here. Do you know what I mean? I'm thinking, I've still got something here. I'm still at 88 kg and I'm still bloody i've definitely got a bit left so yes and then like another month went by and then i got down to about like 84 kg and i was doing really well and i just concentrated on myself and i stopped watching the news i stopped listening and reading negative shit and, and i started reading positive books and positive um like Ant middleton's books have been brilliant um david goggins and just trying to get into the mindset of how to turn my life around and honestly mate like it, it took a while, but then as soon as I realised I've still got a bit to give, then I had a cause. And that's when I got hold of Danny, because I, obviously I, I, Ross White, it was, it's all, was, was, he's like the youth development phase coach at Audition, whatever title you want to give him. I don't, yeah. I don't really know, but he's bloody good at what he does. And um, he, I used to play with him and Woking. But so me and him have always kept in contact and he was always trying to sign me every, every window for Gary Waddock. Um, now, I spoke to him and I said, would you be interested? Uh, I'm feeling like I've still got a lot to give. And mm. he said, yeah, he said, yeah, sure. Like, let, let me speak to the gaffer. He spoke to the gaffer. He said, yeah. I said, can I have his number? Probably probably the biggest mistake of Danny's, <laughs> Danny's career. <laughs> yeah, uh, he probably regretted that about a week after me bloody feeling his every crap. But um, yeah, um, and then, but then that, that's when that's when the the connection sort of happened. And then from there, it's just built. I've managed to build his trust because obviously I, I've been through quite a lot. He, he probably thinking could, like he, he was just waiting for me to fall off or waiting for me to give up. But no, we, we've built our trust and um, I've got myself in incredible shape. And um, I trust him now. 
it, it trust me, and it, uh, that, that's sort of where it blossomed from, really. What where you've reached now, and uh, you'll be the first to to, to realise that. In fact, you've already said to me, I'm sort of outside of this, that you, you want to knuckle down now. You now want yeah. to prove to yourself and to others that yeah. you can you can still. To be honest with you, Ricky, if you reach half the heights that you hit before, um, then you'll still be a very, very competent non-league player. But I know you won't settle for that, yeah. will you? No, I, am, I, I sort of just want to get settled, enjoy my football and try and take the seriousness out of it, but at the same time, give my all to it. Like It, it, was, it was only when I sort of come out with what I was going through, I realised how, how I wasn't different from everyone else. Everyone's got their own problems, no matter how big or small. Like their problems are problems which they have to deal with, and the amount of messages I got, like inbox messages and 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 positive feedback and support, it's like it's just all built. It just helps fire me and keep me on track, and then I, I feel like I've, I, I've got to do it for them as well. So I, I want to prove that it can be done. You've got ex players like Billy Knott who have been in similar situations, and it's a horrible place to be. Like it really is a horrible place to be. But I'm hoping that I can prove that. I've had a 20 month layout. I've come on and got the winner against the rivals in a 10 minute cameo. Like, it's just like, I just couldn't write it. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, if you'd asked me before the game, oh, are you going to score? I didn't want to say anything, but I knew I, I felt so good. I felt, I come on for 10 minutes. I felt sharp as anything. And, and before I got injured, I honestly, I thought I was going to score again. Um, so I, it's just like credit to myself how, how hard I've worked and how I've sort of turned it around that. I'm not co- okay. I'm confident in what I can do, but um, some some people think it's cocky, but it's not. It's just that's just how hard I've worked. Like uh, I think I've got a right to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't able to be at Woking, but I was watching the live stream. I think you're on the yeah. pitch for a total of about 16, 17 minutes. And for me, it's not just. I mean, incredible in terms of somebody coming back that's been out for a while. I don't think I've ever seen anybody make such an impact, you know, to come back already looking match yeah. sharp, which is so difficult. But I yeah. think there's there's been an effect, and obviously being in and around all the Shot Town Football Club as well, I think you've also come in and given a lift to everybody around you. You've come in and you've said, don't settle for mediocrity. We, You know, we can mm. go places. Well, I'd like to think so, yeah. It's been hard because obviously you're rubbing up people the wrong way. Um, and I don't really want to rub people up the wrong way, but then, like you said, I don't want to set off a mediocrity as well. So I'm just, I'm trying to just do what I do, um, and if that rubs off on other people, well, then great. But then I, I, I've got aspirations. Like I don't want to come here and just win one game and lose the next game. And people say, "Oh my God, like you've done so well to come back." I'm thinking, I ain't done nothing yet. Like, what, 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 what? I've come off the bench. I've scored a goal. Yeah, but what, what, we're still mid-table. We're, we're still we're still like one game away from uh, the quarterfinals. I haven't I haven't achieved anything yet. So although although I've done well to come back and I felt good, um, there's still a hell of a long way to go, and it's still a long season. We've still got two thirds two thirds of the season left. So um, there's still a lot I want to achieve this season, and and we've got enough time and enough games to do it. Ricky, during the good periods of your career, your your goals per game ratio has just been phenomenal. It's been ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Times during those periods, I mean, and this is a football-related question. During those periods, you get a ball come into the box. Do you think about what you're going to do next, or does it just become natural? Well, funny, it's instinctive, isn't it? It's it's when you start overthinking that's when uh, that's when it all goes wrong. But I think that coincides with ADHD. If I'm pushing, I'm scoring. Like like if I'm on it, I'm scoring. As soon as I start wobbling, I'm either going up or I'm going down. Like so, if you catch me when I'm on the up. Then I believe I'm going to score one, maybe two goals a game. I honestly believe that, and that's not arrogance. That's that's just that's just what I believe when I go onto a pitch. Um, I, like if I can score in the first half, I believe the last 20 minutes when the defenders are getting tired, I'm going to still be doing them doggies into the channels. You ain't going to stand a chance. But is that arrogance or is that just self belief? I don't know. But um, yeah, um, I think it, my life does coincide around ADHD, but I've done a hell of a lot of work on it. I've, I've got pages and pages and pages of work I've done with Liam Hughes, who um, he, he'd been through something similar. Um, we, we were both in rehab together. Uh, well, not together, but we've both been in rehab at different times. Um, and he was an absolute nutcase, by the way. So uh, <laughs> you won't mind me saying that because he, he will admit that as well. But, you got um, on well then, yeah? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We, we, I don't think we should go out on a night out, but... <laughs> um, yeah, we uh, yeah yeah we like it's, you can relate to people who have been there and done it. Like 
I, like, therapy, it worked for me. It helped unlock things for me. But it, it never really, um, they, they, I couldn't really relate to them because they're sitting there all looking at the time, all in fancy nancy in their nice home. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, you ain't been through half the shit that I've been through. So, so when you have people who, um, who have been there and done it and who have been, who've been clean for a year and, and, and they've got their life back on track, it's inspirational. And that's the sort of people I need to look up to and, and, and see that it can be done. So now I'm hoping I can step in, step out of my shadow. I can become, become one of them and I can help a couple of people um, get, get to where I've got to. So that, that's another reason why I can't, I can't just hang around and settle for mediocrity because otherwise I'm, I'm either up or I'm down. So I need mm. to keep on pushing and keep on doing what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? You're talking about by not setting for mediocrity, maybe that can inspire other people. I think your social media stuff absolutely has done that with encouraging other people to talk about the difficulties they face. Um, one of the things that Ross Lafayette talks about when we had him, him on in the summer, uh, when he picked you in his yeah, team of yeah. his career, was just that, how that, hard. That, yeah, yeah, God, sorry. He said just how hardworking you are. He was like, if you're in the gym yeah. and you're squatting, Ricky Miller's doing more, and, yeah. and he's doing ridiculous stuff every time. Is yeah. bringing that sort of mentality into the dressing room, into the training pitch, is that something that you can yeah. almost give back to Danny Sell to repay the faith yeah. he's had in you as well? Oh, a, a million percent. Like, that's exactly what I want to do. Like, but in football change room, that's frowned upon. Like, you get called busy. They, they use this term busy. Oh, you're busy. But it's just because they can't be asked to get off their arse and do it. So they try and bring you down to their level to protect, protect their contract. It does happen in football. And it's a shame because I've had some captains where they don't encourage you to get better. They encourage you to get worse. And then they can be better. It, it's, it, it's some change room, but very, um, it, it's very much like that. But, I'm, that, that's what I mean. I, I don't really want to rub people up too on the wrong way. I don't really want to tell them what to do, like um, because otherwise that affects my headspace. I just want to be able to concentrate on myself. I don't want to get involved in all that. I just want to be be left to my own devices, and and, and I'll give them everything I can on the pitch, and hopefully I, I can win, win my teammates' respect, and I can I can just concentrate on myself. Like I, I can't. I'm so passionate, and I get so involved in in the club. That, that sometimes that overspills and, and sometimes I, I, I do rub people up the wrong way because I can't can't settle for people who are not giving 100%. Um, so I, I have to sort of withdraw a little bit from that and just concentrate on myself and, and hopefully hopefully within time when I've scored 20-odd goals in 10 games, they can uh, um, all start buying into me. So uh, that's what I'm hoping for anyway. So um, if it went like that, uh, I'd be over the moon. Well, Ricky, look, come and join us on again later on in the season. We'll have another chat yeah. then. But in the meantime, you've got to give somebody a little birthday shout out, haven't you? I do. I'd have to give my little main man, Ralph, who um, he's stopped by me from Fickerfield and he loves me unconditionally. So um, happy birthday, Ralph. And I just want to say about Ross Lafayette as well. That was, um, I did, I listened to that he, um, and it was absolutely brilliant. And, and, and having people who I thought don't like me just because I rub people up the wrong way, having like support from them, that really does mean a lot to me because sometimes I come across like I don't care because I, that's the attitude I've got to show. But I really do care. So having having your teammates like have having their support and having their appreciation that really does kick me on. So thanks, Ross. Um, happy birthday, little man, and thanks for having me, you guys. So good stuff. Stay stay fit and get back out there soon, Ricky. Cheers. Yeah, man. Yeah, cheers, guys. See ya. Bye bye. So in the in the FA Cup, it was well publicised this week that Derby County will be sending their kids due to a COVID outbreak. Uh, for the first team. So Wayne Rooney and his men had to self-isolate. So they went up to Charlie, the under-19s and under-20s. A goal from Connor Hall and Mike Calverley saw them home. And I caught up with a delighted Jamie Vermiglio just before we came on air to chat about him again. So joining me now is the victorious Charlie manager, Jamie Vermiglio. And, and Jamie, we're making a habit of this, aren't we? Chatting after FA Cup victories. Yeah, two or three times now, uh... I think this is probably what it feels like to be famous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a week for you. It's been on and off the field as well, because obviously you're a head teacher, aren't you? So you've had all that to deal with. So you haven't had much prep time with the team. So to go out and perform like you did was, was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we, we, we fully prepared for, for Derby County first team. I went and watched them and so did Andy Priest. We knew all the set plays, how they set up, the shape, the strengths and weaknesses. And there wasn't many weaknesses, to be honest, or there weren't any many weaknesses. And then obviously what, what happened in school with the lockdown, preparing for that up late on Monday night. 
so early hours of the morning preparing with my senior leadership team to get ready for the day after and trying to collect information from parents as, as quickly as we could to then trying to prepare for what, what turned out to be very much an under 18, under, under 23 side. So not ideal preparation, but as you've just said, we, we performed really well against a team where with the greatest respect to them because I thought they competed really well for, for young lads. But, you know, after two or three minutes, I quickly thought, we should really be winning this game. And if we don't, then we've really missed out on a massive, massive, massive opportunity for us. But, you know, in the same breath, I would like to point out that a lot's been made of it, of them having a young side, average age of 19, with only a few that were 20. One lad was 22, I think. So our side is only a young side too. I think the average age of our side yesterday was was 22 years old, maybe 22, 23. And we're only a couple of, bo- a couple of lads above that age. So we're, we're in experience as well, although the lads... With us, I've got a little bit more experience playing playing non-league football. Did you feel there was more pressure on you then? Then when the news broke that Derby was sending a young side, all of a sudden there's a pressure shift. Yeah, I, it goes without saying. You know, on the on the Friday night, as I, I was prepared as much as I could for the had a conversation with my assistant, and the butterflies in my stomach are always there. I've always been quite a nervous. In my football in life, I've always been nervous before a game. I've always had butterflies and I've always been able to use it. You know, big games, I've, I've been one of those that's been quite fortunate to use that nerves to play well or to, to, do, some, to do something positive. Um, and I don't get nervous in my day job. I really don't. With my, you know, my day job, my head teacher thing, I don't get, I don't get nervous. My football, my stomach is in bits constantly. And that, those butterflies fluttered even more when I heard of the kind of team that was going to be sent and when it was a little bit more transparent about what was happening. Because there was a shift in in the favourites. We 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 became the favourites quite quickly then. And I didn't believe that to be honest with you. I, I needed to to wait to see what was fielded and to see, you know, apart to expect, and I said this on a couple to a couple of people that I expected Wayne Rooney to jump off the bus and say, surprise, I'm here. It was all a joke. It was a big me- media friend- friendly. Thankfully, he didn't. Um, I say thankfully, it would have been great to meet him, although he did give us, give us a phone call before the game, which was tremendous of him. Yeah, it was a nice thing to ring up. I mean, obviously, um, with the circumstances and everything, but just sending his um, attentions to you, obviously, but Andy Priest there, he's managed Berry and he's managed internationally north before. That must be... A- a massive help for you as well because like you say with all the pressures that you have in the day job it must take some pressure off you having him there do you know what he's he's a rock he is a rock and I publicly say to all our fans that it's like you know I, I am the manager I've got that title but we, we we very much do it together and you know I run everything by him he challenges me on it sometimes he manages to convince me to go another way sometimes I'm I you know I manage to convince him around my thinking but it's just it's brilliant because I, I, I am in quite t- well, certainly one high profile job in terms of being a head teacher. There's a lot of pressure and a lot of time. And, you know, my priority is my school and my community. That's my career. And I'm fortunate enough to have a hobby that is in the, in the, certainly in the limelight over the last couple of weeks. And to have people like him that you can call upon and people in school I can call upon and rely on. And, and obviously I've got family at home who I've, I've touched upon lots who, who support me massively. So to have those, those people around me is, um, is superb. And uh, who do you want in the next round? Well, they're drawing the fourth and the fifth round, so you, you might find out who you're getting in the fifth round as well. <laughs> yeah, that's strange. So Chorley Football Club are in the fifth round proper draw. That's just it's just amazing. Um, who do I want? Well, you don't want to say the wrong thing here because you don't want to underestimate any side. Um, I do feel stronger that whoever we get, we'll be able to give them some sort of a game. Obviously, it's more difficult to get the Premier League side but for me personally I grew up in Liverpool I support Liverpool I'm a great admirer of Jurgen Klopp um, and what he does and how he kind of carries himself and you know that would be a dream come true to be able to, to play there Brill well Jamie um, I'll let you get off because I know you've got a lot to do and uh, you'll be watching a draw with interest tomorrow but uh, fantastic and, and hopefully we'll have you on again which means you're through to the, the fifth round then <laughs> It'd be great to speak to you. Thank you. And it was interesting as well. Uh, that was Jamie Vermiglio. And it was interesting. I said to him, did it flip in terms of the pressure? And it, it was interesting that he answered yes, because obviously there would have been no pressure on Charlie had Derby sent the first team. And, and as you heard there in the audio, he'd been to watch him and didn't feel there was many weaknesses. All of a sudden, it's it, it flipped on his head. And Charlie were favourites for that game, weren't they? Yeah, they were, and they were being talked up on the uh, on the TV as well by the uh, the commentary team there from BT Sport that they were the favourites. So they would have heard that. Look, they were. I thought they were exceptional. Yeah, I thought they were absolutely exceptional in that game because 
it was a good experiment, wasn't it? It was like a, a, a social scientific experiment to see what happens when you get an experienced uh, National League North team, step six of the football pyramid team, against a group of what were essentially an average age of 19, but, you know, the future future superstars. And um, the experienced heads won, and, and deservedly so. I thought they were absolutely fantastic yesterday. Yeah, they showed, they showed Derby no respect, did they, Rob? Even though it was a young side, they didn't kind of stand off them and go, go on here, you played. He got in the faces, he treated them like they would an experienced lineup, didn't he? Yeah, and, and, and ironically as well, the game retained your interest because it didn't get away from that 1-0 and you wondered, you just wondered, might there be a moment where the young Derby lads might do what Villa had done, the Villa young lads had done against Liverpool the, the night before. Um, but in all honesty, surely were thoroughly professional and they could have scored on any number of times to, to increase their lead. As it happens, they, they got the second towards the end and... Uh, it was really, really strange afterwards. You just couldn't apply the same euphoria that there was at beating Wigan and Peterborough. But nevertheless, and I think quite rightly, when they got back in the, the changing room and, uh, and and prepared for the uh, you know the Adele worship that they uh, you know they do, um, then uh, you know I think it, all the excitement then came out then, didn't it? Yeah, Adele's going to be asking for royalties on that, isn't she? Charlie's cut all the all the money Charlie had made will be ended up being paid to Adele's management, won't it? <laughs> I, I see it the other way round. I think that, uh, that that Adele and her company should be, uh, you know, maybe building a new stand for Charlie at Victory Park. <laughs> maybe, she, maybe she could sing an X song in a Charlie replica kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Oh, next concert. If she does a concert somewhere local, yeah. Definitely, um, definitely wear the Charlie shirt. In the other cup tie involving the other third round tie involving the National League side, it was Boreham Wood. They also faced a Championship side in Millwall. And this last week, they signed forward Jeannie Marias on loan from Scottish side St Mirren. And I caught up with him earlier in the week. So joining me now to talk mm. us through his move to Boreham Wood it is Jeannie Marias. Hi, Jeannie. How are you, my man? You okay? I'm really good, cheers. Um, uh, how are you? I mean, first of all, tell us how the move came about because you did only move to St Mirren in the summer, didn't you? It's, it's, yeah. You're only there a short time, now you're at Bournemouth on loan. Yeah, the window was coming up and then obviously um, Luke, obviously the gaffer, obviously showed um, some interest. I spoke to my agent and then obviously it was just a decision if I'll be coming on loan or whether I wanted to come on loan and stuff. But yeah, really and truly, that's what it was about. So just slowly, my agent obviously got the call and then just moved from there, really. Yeah, you're back now, obviously, in first daily in English football and, and back in the National League. You must be really looking forward to it, especially at a team, like you say, like Bournemouth, who play good football. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm just looking forward to playing football again and just enjoying football again, getting games and obviously scoring goals. That's That's what I'm really looking forward to, to be honest. Was it... And obviously, you maybe didn't play as much as you liked up at Saint Mirren, but was it was it a, a new experience? Has it has it taught you a lot, really, going up to Scotland and, and playing at that standard? Yeah, no, of course, it, there's loads of sacrifice at hand. Leaving my family, not having anyone up there, that was a challenge in it hand um, in that sense as well. But um, just you learn every day. Obviously, you're training, so you obviously learn different things. You when you're watching the the Rangers and the Celtic, and you see how. Day front boy moves and all of that, so you kind of learn. So yeah, it's, it's for me, it was just like a learning curve. To be honest, I enjoyed my little my little time there, and it's just about focusing on what on the task at hand. Yeah, what was that like? Obviously, going to places like Celtic Park and Ibrox. I mean, obviously, you'd have wanted the fans in there, but still, they're quite imposing stadiums, aren't they? Of course, it's it's, a, it's just a different, it's a whole different atmosphere, especially last season when there was fans. I'm playing at Parkhead, and um, and obviously at the Ibrox, it's just you can just tell. Obviously, a, the stature of their of Celtic and Rangers, and um, they're just a they're just different level, really. They're just different level from everyone in the league. So, tell us a bit more about for people who don't know Junior Marias. Just tell us about your position and everything like that. I mean, are, are you more a forward or a winger? Just tell us whereabouts you play, really, and and, and how people can get excited watching you. I'm hundred percent not a winger, hundred <laughs> percent. But um, obviously, I'm a striker and um, played in a ten, but. Morely a striker, just like one of them, just run you, like chase you, don't give you um, a second to breathe, want to pin you, just make the game horrible as possible, running behind, hit my shots and take my shots whenever they come. 
you know, left foot or right foot. But yeah, so that's that's when it's all about junior. That's what you, I can really explain about me myself. Yeah, and that, that must have been a big thing for you to say to come to a team like Bournemouth. Although a mid table at the minute, they, they're there because they've, they've not played as many games as everyone else. So is the real buzz in there? I know that there are a lot of people's tips for um, certainly to, an outside shot for promotion this year. Yeah, no. To be fair, I've been there like last couple of days. It's a good spirit around the camp. You know, I mean, good bunch of lads. Like, there's a there's a drive in the camp that that's really that's really good for myself also as well. Obviously, when I'm playing football, I want to enjoy it. So going to a camp that's not really buzzing or jumping is is obviously wasn't something I wanted to do. And obviously, being there, it's just been positive since I've been there. So yeah, it's just. I think the boys are just ready and just ready to go and achieve something this year. So, yeah. And not a bad first game for you, all being well. Uh, if everything gets <laughs> sorted, you got Millwall in the FA Cup. Yeah, exactly. What a game to obviously sign and um, hopefully be involved in. So, yeah, it's been... Can't, hey, can't complain, hey, can I? Well, no, definitely not. Well, you can complain if you're not on the, be- if you're not on the starting 11. You can complain to Luke then, can't you? <laughs> nah, you don't complain, but... <laughs> Yeah, you just never complain. Just get on with, with the task at hand, really and truly. Uh, excellent. Well, uh, Junior, thanks for that. And uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. Top man. Thank you very much for having me, my man. And that was Junior Marais. And well, Millwall, they were at full strength and they brushed aside with Gerard's men in the end. And it wasn't quite to be for the wood in the end, was it? But now they can concentrate on the league, can't they? Well, that old uh, chestnut uh, of a saying, yeah, for sure. But uh, look... When these mismatches happen in terms of uh, divisions between them and everything else, you need a certain uh, pot of ingredients for the shock to happen. And uh, to be quite frank about it, it doesn't often happen when the uh, bigger teams score first and score as early as uh, Millwall did. So there was no really way back in. Borehamwood couldn't find their way back in on, on the day. But no, dis- no disgrace at all in the, in the result. And... Uh, you know they they did well to get to that stage, and uh, yeah, they're they're on the up, aren't they, in the national league? They're uh, just starting to really build some momentum. Fantastic strengthening as well, bringing in Junior Rice. It just doesn't adds another string to the bow, and especially if you do lose Sarbert Thomas, as we mentioned last week. You do wonder if that was a preliminary to that, or whether it's something they've been working on anyway. Sarbert Thomas. I think would be in most people's na- uh, National League eleven, wouldn't he? he? He's just class and consistent and destined for greater things. Uh, Junior Marias, though, as well, highly, highly thought of player. Uh, he came out of um, the Ben Hurd Academy actually and uh, got his move to Peterborough. Did really, really well at Peterborough and then got another move upwards from there. So uh, um, highly rated. Another one who's uh, you know had setbacks with injuries, but uh, it'd be interesting to see if he can. Uh, hit the ground running at this level. So we're going to move on and look now at the National League. A lot of games are off in the National League due to the FA Cup, COVID and the weather. League leaders Torquay didn't play, so the chasing pack would close the gap. And both Sutton and Hartlepool were in action, both were at home as well to newly promoted sides in Altrincham and Wealdstone. And let's start in the North East where Hartlepool closed the gap to eight points on the Devon side. Gold from Batman again, Luke Armstrong, Reese Oates and Nicky Featherson secured the points with a late Jacob Mendy consolation for the North London side. And it's another good, solid win for Dave Collins' men, isn't it? It's cracking win, Luke. Brilliant. Luke Armstrong scores again. I checked how many goals he scored this season. It's six. It seems like about 16, because he seems to score every time we look at it. Um, you know, a really good win. Comfortable by all accounts. They were, they'd sealed it um, by the hour. Uh, they're going great guns. And I think... What's really significant about the way that Hartlepool have, have gone this season is, is Dave Challoner. He can do it at, at other clubs as, as well as filed. And I think from his point of view as well, that was really important. It took a while for him to, to get his team un, under, his, uh, under his feet and what have you. But now um, he's just showing what a good manager he is. I'm a little bit of a wobble for Wheelstone at the minute. Are you worried about them or...? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I think one of the things that's, that's really telling, and I think uh, maybe Robert was mentioned it on the group yesterday, is that Altrincham were right down the bottom. A couple of the wins, and they were bang up to fourth. Um, the, the league is so tight at the moment. I think it, you can almost you can you can stomach a run of a couple of defeats in a row as long as you do, you know, get beyond three or four, and then yeah, it starts to get a bit difficult. But 
you know, in the next in the next fortnight, if, if Wilson can pick up maybe three points for the next two games, four points for the next two games, I think they'll they'll be right back on track and, and looking good. Um, I'm looking at the squad they put out yesterday. You know, that's still a very strong strong uh, lineup. The fact they're bringing the likes of Benu off the bench with seven to play. Um, the reality is Hartlepool is just a very difficult place to go. Um, I think you know we've talked about them a few times, haven't we? And and they are one of one of probably one of the strongest sides in the division this year. Yeah, and Sutton were another side who were hanging on to the coattails of Torquay. They hosted Altrincham in a topsy-turvy game. Toby Malarkey opened the going against the run of play before facing a Sutton bombardment in which David Adjiboy and Isaac Owalafe had the home side ahead before half-time. Altrincham did hang in there and grabbed an equaliser thanks to a screamer from Connor Hampson with virtually the last kick of the game. But Sutton will be kicking themselves, won't they? Yeah, that's um, a big, big point for Altrincham. That will have reinforced their self-belief, back them as to why they're at that end of the table. But for Sutton, who've got no margin to play with in their pursuit of Torquay, have they? Um, at one point, it looked as if they could be, uh, you know, nine points behind, three games in hand, sort of thing. But um, yeah, I think it would have been a late sickening blow for uh, Matt Gray and Sutton yesterday because uh, they're, they're going to have to go some as a Hartlepool or anybody that wants to try and catch Torquay. Yeah, I think Torquay, yeah, just the, 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 the pace they've set uh, is really really does set them apart at the moment. Um, I know there are games in hand, but they've got a, a pretty dominant lead at the top. Uh, a nice a nice bit of good news for Sutton yesterday, though, um, is they've announced that they'll be keeping Isaac Oliof until the end of the season on loan from Millwall. Um, and, and he's shown already this season, hasn't he? Like what a, what a benefit he can be to them in the final third. Speaking to my contact at Aldringham, he, he said he couldn't believe the tempo Sutton played at. He said he like he's certainly the quickest he's seen anyone play this season. The way they knocked the ball about, and that but that seems to be their undoing towards the end, as they seem to have run out of steam a little bit. The old Marcelo Bielsa conundrum. Um, I think it's it's worth noting though, isn't it? Just how far a, how far a stretch we are from those conversations we were having at the beginning of last season of is this is this the end of Sutton in the National League with Paul Doswell leaving? Um, and, and it's all credit to Matt Gray, isn't it, for for making those conversations essentially quite redundant. Yeah, Altrincham up to fifth place now. It was an excellent point for them, albeit they have got four, played four games more than Notts County. And one um, one signing which. I didn't realise it happened this week until he came off the bench on Saturday was Byron Harrison signing for Altrincham. I mean, that's a that's a fantastic signing after his release from Barrow and he'll get them goals, won't he? Oh, absolutely. And uh, I mean, it's a team that's got, that's got goals in the team anyway, isn't it, really? And don't forget, they did that last weekend against uh, Stockport County as well. They came back from a couple of goals behind to, uh, to get a point. Um, Look, I was really pleased yesterday that Connor Hampson scored because he can smash him in from range. And apparently, they got, I haven't seen it yet, but the goal that he scored was uh, was one where he smashed it in from range uh, deep into injury time. And just a little poser um, for you guys. I know um, Torquay might, uh, might uh, Torquay fans might disagree with this, but it's Phil Parkinson, the manager of the season so far. I suppose it depends how it pans out, Chris, doesn't it? I mean, it's still a long way to go, isn't it? So... Yeah, it depends where they finish, but the way he's kind of adapted to the league and, you know, the, the signings he's bringing in, I know they've obviously made a bit of money from the FA Cup run last year and then the money, he made quite a bit of money from selling Jordan Hume in the summer, but they're using that money so wisely and they're bringing in players who are, are not old, but have got experience of League Two in, in the National League. Yeah, I'd just add to that that if there's an award for pulling a rabbit out of a hat this season, I'd give that already to... Uh, to Parkinson because Chris um, will probably make this the last reference unless they go on to make the playoffs. But we sat and looked at each other and we really feared for Altrincham uh, just six weeks ago. And they've barely lost, they've barely dropped any points since. Um, I do think it's the most open national league that we've had in the three, four years that we've been covering it. Uh, I think there's always been three or four teams that you could say they're, they're probably going to be the ones uh, sorting out the title. And this year, I wouldn't know where to begin other than obviously Torquay. If Torquay slip back to the pack, any one of eight or nine teams could still win the title. But they won't be able to do that unless Torquay slow down. I'm hoping to go to Altrincham and play Kings Lynn on Tuesday. So I'm hoping to get something from Kings Lynn all being well. <laughs> And, um, one of the things I noticed uh, moving away from the sort of runners and riders is at Yeovil over the last few weeks, I think, uh, you know, Darren Sahl seems to turn things around there. 
Do you think they've given up on Reese Murphy? Um, they've brought in Reuben Reed this week as well. Courtney Doofus has been among the goals. Joe Quigley has been among the goals. But Reese Murphy is is conspicuous by his absence. Do you think that's a, a decision to sort of change the playing style away from him because he's just not been? I know he's had injury concerns, but he's not been able to deliver this season. I think the bottom line is, Tom. None of us are close enough to Yeovil to know the answer to that, but uh, it's certainly one to keep an eye on. Ruben Reed, someone you know well, though, Tom, isn't he? Former Plymouth striker. He'll do well, I think, at that level, won't he? Oh, yeah, he's definitely still got it in his, in his game to, to do very well in the National League. Um, it was only two seasons ago that he had that phenomenal season for Torquay in the National League South. Um, he's, at, he's at home in the West Country. He knows the area uh, and he knows his league. He, can, he knows he can score goals in this level. That'll be interesting to, to keep our eye on. And also, for the game of the day, in the National League was a, a draw between Kingsland and Halifax. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, in the, in the context of the game, uh, obviously, um, Halifax came back in that one to equalise. I think both teams might settle for a point. Halifax coming from uh, behind to get the point. Kingsland playing a team who were in the playoffs. They might be happy with that one, I, I thought. I was interested um, in um, Alex Kawamia getting a goal there yesterday because... Uh, He's a good player, you know, he can play on the wing. I've seen him at under-23 level, he can play up front. If they can get him firing, and Adam Marriott, who was on the bench actually yesterday, then um, it could be interesting for them. Yeah, he was frozen out at Chesterfield and he's gone, and, uh, he's gone to look for game time at Kings Lynn. And uh, Halifax as well, that point actually, because it's so tight, it's, it's leapfrogged them into sixth place now. And it's so tight, isn't it? I mean, you go down to Wrexham, who are on 20 points, they're in 16th and they're only three points off the playoffs. So, Anyone from above there, even Chesterfield on their run, will, will fancy a tilt at the playoffs, won't they? Yeah, I mean, we can't even write off the teams that are, that are sort of fourth, fifth, sixth from bottom right now. That's how close it is. And we've seen the likes of Chesterfield um, and particularly, sorry, Altrincham, you know, come from those positions right up to... Look at Maidenhead, remember? Lost the first three games, minus 10 goal difference, and then won four on the trot and went third. I mean, obviously, there comes a time further in the season where the points differential does start to uh, make it a lot harder to climb the table. But uh, it's brilliant. Not only is it unpredictable, literally a team that we're saying are struggling one week are in the playoff positions a month later. Well, let's move on now and look at the National League North. And in the National League North, it was first to get third down at Meadow Park. It was Kidderminster who raced into a 2-0 lead after just 12 minutes through Ethan Fremantle. He's got his first professional goal and Sam Austin. And then Gloucester got a goal back just before half-time through a familiar name to National League fans, Keanu Marsh-Brown, who's recently signed after a spell in America with Memphis. But it was Gloucester who came rowing back through a player Rob knows well, Matt McClure and Jordan Young to leave friend of the podcast, Russell Penn, saying he felt a bit wounded afterwards. If you happen to um, look over the fence during Gloucester games, um, you're going to uh, you're going to be happy because you score, you see lots and lots of goals, and look, they've still got firepower in the side, and uh, they'll be delighted to come back from those two goals down and get the three points. Um, I think they're still looking good, to be honest. I still think they're still looking good for, for promotion into the next division. And um, that would be interesting with the new stadium and the budget and things like that. There'd be uh, a good addition, but a long way to go. Please, don't look, up, please don't look over the fence, folks, by the way. Do stay at home. Don't do follow Chris's advice. <laughs> it's, uh, they're doing really well as well because we read every week. It's not turmoil at Gloucester, but a lot of players wanting to leave. Maybe some going to Chesterfield, some going elsewhere. And to keep up with what they're doing it is... Um, I mean, obviously, we mentioned about potentially Liam Daly's potentially going to Barnet. I think uh, Alex Whittle's supposedly going to go to Chesterfield. He's going to cancel his contract. Um, so the fact they're still top of the winning games is, is a testament to them, isn't it? And the team spirit there and the club. Yeah, look, as well, Luke, they've got such a good start that they're, they're seven points clear. So even if they have a mediocre second half of the season, um, they're still likely to be in uh, in and around the playoffs as well. Uh, not that that would satisfy them now, but um, that start to the season has put them in such a good position. Yeah, and I know the attitude of the chairman is as well, is like, if you, if you don't want to be here, that's fine. We'll just carry on regardless and you leave. And I think that, that calmness kind of helps as well, because rather than airing maybe dirty laundry in public or, you know, trying to keep players against the will, that, that does help, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. 
I thought, sorry, I didn't have anything else to say. It's all right. No, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> There's a, ga- a lot of games off due to the weather in the National League North. The only other game to survive was at AFC Telford, where they faced another AFC in Files. And it was the Coasters who came out on top, thanks to two early season recruits in Jordan Hume and Jack Sampson. And crucially, they have four games in hand on Chester and Gloucester. Yeah, they're looking good, aren't they? Uh, interesting season for File because if they didn't do well this season, um, you know, the questions would start being asked um, after after the disappointing season last season. But I think what they've done is they've gone and picked up players who have been there and they've done it and they've got proven track records. And you're looking at Jordan Humes, who scored hatfuls of goals. Jack Sampson's been absolutely fantastic, particularly for Southport in um, in recent years as well. So. Um, very astute um, signings. They had a lot of quality there already that they managed to keep hold of. You know, and um, yeah, looking good at the moment. And they've got a few games in hand on the uh, the aforementioned Gloucester as well. Well, let's look now at the National League South, and that that division fed better in terms of games played. And we have a new leader, don't we, Tom Dorkin at Leapfrog at Dartford. Dorkin had to come from behind to beat Hemel Hempstead thanks to Alfie Rutherford. Dartford surprisingly suffered defeat away at the bottom of the table, Braintree. And there was goals from Percy, Kane, Benny and Taufik Olamawewe. He secured the victory despite a late consolation for Chris Dixon. Steve King's men suffered defeat and as and had Jazzy Barnum Bob also sent off. That was easy for me to say. Um, Tom, massive props to Braintree for that victory, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know they've <clears throat> they have struggled a lot this season, as we know. They're, they they needed those three points, and to get them against Dartford as well will give them a really really good boost of confidence. Um, I think for, from Dartford's perspective, it was telling that Steve King brought in Femi Akinwande this this week. Um, he's he's clearly not been happy with how it's clicking in the final third all season. Um, the fact that Dartford, you know, they are second in the league. But they've only scored 20 goals in 15 games. For a side with the budget and the resources they have, that's really not good enough. And it's certainly not how Steve King would want his teams to be playing. Um, they've now ch- tried Charlie Sheringham, who obviously scored for the Chelmsford yesterday. They've tried Alfie Pavey. They've tried Jack Barham. They've tried Elliot Romain. Um, and now they, you know, they've turned their hands to oh, Chris Dixon, who got the goal yesterday, and uh, Femi Akinwande. So it'll be interesting to see if he can find a, a formula, a form formula that works for them. Um, but crucially, they have still been very resolute at the back. Another side who's been really resolute at the back. Is well, I was just going to say, sorry, Tom, on that, interestingly, on Dartford's Twitter, there's a lot of disgruntlement about that. The fact he's chopping and changing a lot of strikers and, and a lot of their fans have said it's it's basically between Dorkin and Havant for promotion because they know how to score goals. Yeah, well, yeah, it is. And, and actually, I think, I think, if I'm honest, the only team that can stop Dorkin winning will be them themselves. Um, the fact that they're on top of the table is absolutely where they should be. They, are, I've seen most of the teams in the league now, and Dorking are by far the best team I've seen. Um, they play the ball so well. Kane Wills and Wes Fogden in the middle, probably the most combative and complete midfield duo in the league. They've got arguably the best striker in Jason Pryor. They're solid at the back. Um, and then when Pryor is injured, as he is at the moment, they can bring in the likes of Arthur Rutherford. They've got Matt Briggs, who will get goals. They've got James McShane, who will get goals. Jimmy Mewitt, they're a really complete team. Um, and actually, do you know, I'd, I'd really, I'd, I'd be so interested to see how this squad gets on in the national league. That's going to really, really hurt Steve King. That result, isn't it? Yesterday, all credit to Braintree, but um, you know, he, he he's meticulous in his preparation for every game. Steve King, it won't have been that that won't have been the reason they lost, but uh, he will have certainly been banking on the three points from that game, and uh, and and that one will have really, really, really hurt him yesterday. And that's 100%. a difference. Um, Somewhat. Sorry, that's a difference. Someone like Haven't and Darkin will probably go to Braintree, and even if they didn't play well, probably come out with a victory, wouldn't they? Um, Darkin certainly. I mean, Haven't that you know they they've got a lot of games in hand, but they've not been t- that impressive this season so far. Um, there's there's a bit of dissatisfaction in the supporter base um, that essentially maybe Doswell's trying to make it Sutton Mark too. Um, you know they've dispensed with a lot of old favourites there. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see once having get up to the same amount of games as the other teams at the top, how they're doing. Um, I, I'm really surprised by St Albans' result yesterday. I know they've had a long long period out with with COVID, but I really didn't expect to see them go down 2-0 at home to Chelmsford. Um, Chelmsford are really one of the weaker teams in the division this season. And St Albans have just been so solid at the back, sort of buoyed by Michael Johnson, who's had a fantastic season um, so far. Really, really surprised by that. And 
the fact that Dartford and St Albans did both lose means that Hungerford's result against Maidstone probably, you know, makes Hungerford the big winners for the week. Yeah, they were surprised package of the season. They leapfrogged St Albans, as, as Tom said, it was a 2 0 win uh, away. Uh, at St Albans for Chelmsford, who, who gave St Albans their first league defeat of the season. Hungerford beat Maidstone by two goals to one. And I know you had a really good chat with the Hungerford goalkeeper, Luke Kearney, didn't you? Yeah, and we'll, we'll hear from him uh, shortly. But one of the things that he says, which is really interesting, is about how they played against Maidstone. They they just, just defended doggedly throughout the game. You know, he said they were the better side, really, that they... They played some great stuff and you, you expect that from Maidstone. But that's been a hallmark of hunger for this season and it's testament to Danny Robinson as a man manager. Um, he really is uh, achieving the, the epitome of what a manager should do and getting his team performing above the sum of their parts. Tom, you've seen Hungerford play, haven't you? Um, they're obviously very, very dogged and, and difficult and awkward to play against. But uh, we really have to start recognising now this isn't just a a good start to the season, is it? They're maintaining the quality of their results and their position at the top end of the league table. Absolutely. And and I would say as well, they're doing it in one of the strongest National League South fields that I've seen in a few years. Um, I think this is, the division is competitive this year. There's a lot of good sides um, and, and even the sides which are low down the team have still got some real talent in there. So huge credit to Hungerford for what they're doing. Um, it was really important yesterday that they shared the goals around as well. I think um, they've scored 24 goals this season. Ryan Seeger's got 13 of them. Um, so going into the match yesterday, he'd scored well over half the team's goals. Um, and the fact that he was assisting instead of actually being the being the end, end product guy yesterday is really important for them as a team. And uh, Jake Evans got a debut goal. I know Luke will mention that as well. But uh, it's it's so good that they are going to start you know hopefully spreading the goals around the team. Yeah, let's hear now from Luke Kearney. I'm joined by Hungerford Town goalkeeper Luke Kearney on the back of an impressive 2-1 victory against Maidstone United. Maidstone are one of the few teams that are still full-time in this division, Luke. So were you expecting to get three points or is that a, is that a unexpected bonus yesterday? Uh, we knew uh, it was going to be a hard game. Obviously, Maidstone being full-time, uh, they train obviously, obviously full-time. So coming to our place... Uh, because they haven't played for is it 39 games, 39 days. So yeah, uh, they haven't played a while. So in in a way, it's, it's a good time to play them because they might be obviously ring rusty or match the match match rusty. So it was good. It was a good time to play play them really. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. And um, you know, you, you just spoke to me off air before we started recording that uh, you you had a real back to the wall defensive effort to get the result yesterday. I think one of the things that was noticeable to me was you got the result without Ryan Seeger scoring as well. Um, so, how important is it for you to start sort of spreading those goals around the team? Oh, it's really important. Uh, Jake Evans uh, made his debut uh, yesterday, and he, he was excellent. Uh, he ran the he ran the midfield, scored a really good goal, and it was Ryan Seager who assisted. Uh, so, we got the, we got them two goals, and uh, after that, we did we defended really well and uh, got the result. I think what we deserved. Yeah, I mean, and it's remarkable your form so far this season. You're up to third in the division. The fact that Dartford and St Albans lost yesterday. Are you looking at those teams around you at the moment and thinking, yeah, these are our competitors this season? We're just taking each game as it comes, really. Uh, we're only 16 games in. Uh, so we're not even halfway through the season yet. So the the league table's looking good, but uh, we're not. Our ambitions really just take each game as it comes. If we get the points, we get the points. Yeah, the lads are really enjoying. Uh, it's a really good vibe at the minute. So long may it continue. And uh, on a personal level, um, another good game yesterday. You're building up a real reputation in this division now um, for, for being an excellent shot stopper, good distribution. Um, what have you thought of the other keepers in the division so far this season? Oh, well, I've seen our excellent, excellent goalkeepers in this league. Uh, the standards really high. Uh, special. <clears throat> Special shout out to Michael Johnson, St Albans goalkeeper, uh, outstanding, uh, and Slough Town goalkeeper as well. Turner, he's, he's been excellent for the last couple of years. So, yeah, there's some really good goalkeepers in this league, and I'm just glad I'm obviously competing with them boys. And have you been surprised at how how quickly you found your feet at this level? I am pretty surprised. Yeah, uh, obviously the standard from step three to step two is uh, it's, it's, it's a it's a pretty big step, and. Uh, I'm just really lucky I'm, I'm doing well uh, for Hungerford and we're flying up the table at the minute. So, yeah, I'm, everything's going well at the minute, yeah. Uh, so, as it stands, because uh, obviously we're a team short this year, 
you're due to not have a fixture next week. What do you think of the, the suggestion by some teams that we should be allowed to rearrange fixtures with all the cancellations we've had because of the weather and COVID? That's a great idea, to be fair. Uh, it gets us uh, the matches played. Uh, obviously, we we would want to try and get obviously null and void for the season. So, in a way, it's, I think it's a, it's a brilliant idea. If, if some teams have a spare weekend and they can fulfil the fixtures, uh, yeah, it's an excellent excellent idea. And I guess as players as well, you've obviously I know you've got the, the same concerns around COVID that all the rest of us have, but surely you just want to do everything you can to get to the end of the season and and not see this incredible effort and work that you've been in at Hungerford, for example, go to waste. Yeah, to, to be fair, as a club, we're doing really well with the COVID regulations. As you can see, obviously, we play the most games in the league, so we must be doing something right. So, yeah, we, we've got, yeah, as a club, we're doing really well with the COVID situation. So I do. Well, um, yeah, good luck for your next game, uh, whenever that might actually end up being. Uh, and yeah, thanks for joining us. And that was Luke Kearney. And uh, I say he loves the podcast as well. He's always retweeting it and, and liking. So I'm sure he'll be making an extra effort to listen to it this week and retweeting out. Thanks for that, Luke. Helps with all the, uh, the listens. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's obviously he's obviously going to be uh, be buzzing as well after his well, team he supported Burnley. So they snuck through yesterday on penalties against MK Dons. But you know, we've got it. We talked about him before on the podcast. He he pulled out Michael Johnson's having a fantastic season. But we really do have to give credit to, to Luke Kearney and all the games I've seen him. He's made some really fantastic stops. Um, and his distribution is such an important part of how hard the play as well. Yeah, Oxford City, they stay in the playoff hunt as well, despite only drawing 0-0 at home to Welling. Um, just going back to the bottom, actually, Tom, below the National League South, currently teams are being canvassed on whether the season should be null and void, which again would help teams like Braintree in the South, Blythe in the North. Do you think in that way that takes the pressure off these teams then knowing that potentially you won't be going down again? It does, of course it does. I mean, I think it's a one of the sort of uh, negative aspects of non-league and the, the fact that a lot of players are on non, non-contract is you tend to get towards the final quarter of a season. Clubs that know they're safe will shed players uh, to save on the budget, um, which obviously then has implications for the integrity of the league, should we say, because you've got teams who still need the competitive results who are now playing as weaker sides and that's one of the big risks that we'll see as supporters of the National League and uh, South and North moving forward is if relegation is voided for this season you run the risk of a, a lot of clubs in the bottom third of those divisions teams who aren't likely to be challenging for playoffs essentially just culling a load of their players um, which will really damage the league as a, as a proposition um, but again is you can understand why with all the loss of income due to COVID etc. Yeah, and, and like I say, at the minute, there's teams in the National League North going out getting players from step three and four to fill that void and they can get them in cheaper as well and know they've probably got good players also. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when we've seen that across the leagues, you know, uh, Ken Charles started for Braintree Town yesterday. Um, he's come in uh, from, I think, Bishop Stortford. Hampton and Richmond Borough announced the signing of Jake Shepard from Hayes and Yedding United yesterday. Um, and I'm sure the same is going on in the north. There's a lot of clubs picking up the talent from steps three and four. One thing to say about the Oxford result as well, I think um, most people would have expected them to, to dispatch Welling pretty comfortably at home. Welling have been really poor this season. Bobby Quinton's got a big job on his hands to actually keep them up if we do have relegation. But um, o- Oxford did a really good job away at Billericay in midweek, and I think that could have taken a lot out of them. Um, I can help Billericay, actually, Tom. Uh Beautifully seen the segue there because obviously Jamie O'Hara's replacement was announced this week. And interestingly, it's interesting before we move on to the managerial appointment, Jamie O'Hara, and you've mentioned about social media and the effects it has. He's come off Twitter with all the abuse he's been getting. So it just shows like, kind of what Ricky Miller was, was saying about it all. But uh, yeah, his, his replacement at Villa, Ricky, was Kevin Watson, who hasn't had a job since he was surprisingly dispensed on by Ebsley. Yeah, um, the, the talk I'm hearing in the National League South forums and the, the round support bases is that that's, that's potentially a very good appointment. Um, he's got a great book of contacts as Kevin Watson um, and he's pretty well respected as a coach. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do with Billy Ricky. I think the facilities they've got there are excellent and you know they have to give a lot of thanks to Ben Tampin for that. They, they can really attract players from the region because of that as well. Um, and they do have the potential to be a really solid National League South club. Um, you know, They should be competing at the top end every year. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how Kevin Watson can galvanise that. I think one of the big challenges you have is the same challenge that O'Hara had, really, where they want to try and modernise the score, they want to try and freshen it up, but they are still very dependent on Jake Robinson for goals. 
um, and it'll be a challenge for him to see how he can sort of uh, reduce that dependency um, over the next few months. Yeah, we'll try and get Kevin Watson on in the next couple of weeks as well on the podcast. Well, guys, thanks very much for uh, joining us. Just to say, uh, thank Ricky. Really, an amazing guest, one of the one of the brightest, most colourful characters we've had on, and someone who, you know, I think when people that didn't know Ricky Miller, if they listen to this, I think they'll be rooting for him now and rooting for him to, uh, you know, to to achieve again. Uh, in, in, in knowing what just what it is that makes him tick. Um, because I tell you what, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are very passionate about football and passionate about non-league football. And uh, I don't think you'll find too many people more passionate than Ricky. Cheers. Well, Chris, Tom, Rob, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Great stuff. Have a good week, guys. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Nice to chat to you. Don't forget to subscribe to us iTunes and Spotify and also on Apple Podcasts if you can. Until then... Uh, look after yourselves and we'll speak very soon.